What's going on, Dodgers Nation? Doug McCain here. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. We're breaking down the Dodgers' epic win yesterday, Gavin Stone's debut. What does the future hold for Gavin Stone this season? Got some news and notes coming up. But first, if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Dodgers Nation YouTube channel for all latest Dodgers news and rumors all season long. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. And if you want to see us post even more Dodgers content, smash that like button. And as always, I want your takes down below in the comment section today's Dodgers Nation question of the day what grade do you give Gavin Stone for his MLB debut on a scale of 1 to 10 how high are you on his future what do you want to see him work on how do you want to see the Dodgers use him this season and also are you starting to feel better about the team this season do you think this team is going to win the division let me know down below give me some predictions for the Padres series too let me know down below and for all latest Dodgers news head over to Dodgers DodgersNation.com. So it was the win of the year for your boys in blue. The Dodgers come back after trailing five to nothing early. Gavin Stone's big league debut, a rocky start for Stone. He allows five runs, four earned. We're going to break down his outing in just a second, but they claw their way all the way back, and Max Muncy hits a walk-off grand slam off of Craig Crumble. Check that, Craig Kimbrell, and the Dodgers, they win their sixth straight game. They've won eight of their last 10. They're a game and a half above the Arizona Diamondbacks in the NL West. And I think yesterday shows you this team's makeup. It showed their will to win. And the Dodgers all of a sudden are doing that thing they do every single year, especially in the regular season, where they just win game after game. They find a way to win. And yesterday, what was so impressive is that it was a team win. So many guys contributed. And it wasn't just Max Muncy hitting his fourth career walk-off, hitting a grand slam off of Craig Kimbrell. By the way, they should have played Elsa's Let It Go after he hit that instead of Randy Newman's I Love LA. Just for once, you could have played it after. I think that would have been an A1 troll job, but still, this team fought their way back, and I love the way they picked up Gavin Stone. We're going to break down his outing in just a second, but it wasn't just the Mookie Betts's or the Freddie Freeman's or the Will Smith's. Chris Taylor had a big game. You saw James Altman have a double. Miguel Vargas he continues to pick things up. He has a wall-scraping home run that changed the game. Mookie Betts started the scoring early in the game. How about the bullpen stepping up? How about Victor Gonzalez looking lights out to start this year? How about Yancy Almonte having his best inning of work this season? Bruce Dark Gratterall, a little rocky there late. He did give up the lead, and it forced that walk-off situation late in the ninth. But still, this was such a complete team win. You also got contributions from Austin Barnes who got a big hit late. So, yeah, this Dodgers team, they are starting to roll at the right time, and they're really picking things up in the NL West. So you also consider the fact that, look, they're going up against this Phillies team that was desperate for a win, a team that had their ace on the mound in Aaron Nola that just shoved in Houston, and they thought they were going to try to salvage this series. Well, the Dodgers, they had other plans. L.A. outscored the Phillies this series 36-10. to 36 to 10 this series. They were generating runs. And what was most impressive to me was they were doing it in a multitude of different ways. You saw guys getting base hits. How about Austin Barnes, the big single? You saw stolen bases. Miguel Vargas had a stolen base. You saw Chris Taylor with the stolen base late to set things up, to put pressure on the pitcher, to give him stress so guys at the plate can see better pitches. So you look at that stolen base, and that is a number that really sticks out to me because since that Pirate series where the 
Pirates forced the Dodgers to walk the plank, and they stole 12 bases against L.A. L.A. wasn't flying the Jolly Dodger. They were losing, and one of the big reasons why was the Pirates were aggressive on the base pass. Well, since that series, the Dodgers have stolen more bases than any team in Major League Baseball. In the last two weeks, the last 13 games, the Dodgers have 18 stolen bases. That's second in the league behind the Pittsburgh Pirates. So that was a wake-up call series. The Dodgers realized that, hey, if we're going to give up stolen bases, we might as well steal some bases ourselves. And I think the big keys you're starting to see Chris Taylor, him start to produce, and he can get on base. One of the faster guys on the team, Miguel Vargas stealing bases, James Altman stealing bases. So, look, everyone's looking like Ricky Henderson in today's Major League Baseball with the pizza box bases. There's less dirt in between the bases, and you're timing those pitchers' moves. So I love the fact they're taking advantage of that, and this Dodger team is starting to roll. And let's be honest, things really needed to start to click for this team, or they were going to risk falling behind in this division. Because if you're hovering around 500, and yes, the Padres, they've had an underwhelming start to their season. The Diamondbacks, they're not legitimate contenders. But you look at the schedule that they have in the month of May. You've got road series against the Atlanta Braves, road series against the Tampa Bay Rays. You're going to Milwaukee. You're playing the Cardinals. You have six of the next nine games against the San Diego Padres. So it's going to be a big test this month. And the Dodgers, I think they're in a great position to win tons of these games and really set themselves up nicely in this division. But let's. But next, I want to dive into Gavin Stone's big league debut. And before we dive into that, first, I want to say, look, Gavin Stone, he did his job, okay? He came up. He allowed Dustin May to get some extra rest. You reset this rotation. And he also, he got his first big league debut in. You just want to get that first one out of the way. And then, hey, it's behind you. And it's all about working on what you need to work on to really be able to have success at this level. So, yes, did he kill two birds with one stone? I guess you could say that. Was it a stepping stone start? You could also say that as well. And also, too, look, if Michael Grove wasn't injured, if Ryan Pepe wasn't injured, you wouldn't have had to call up Gavin Stone this early. And you could have allowed him to continue to develop down in AAA, allow him to continue to, one, work on that fastball command, and two, work on that slider because he does need a third pitch to truly be effective at this level. You need to find a way to get that slide piece work. He needs something going left against right-handed hitters, and I think he's going to be able to do just that. I love the fact that his one strikeout came against Nick Castellanos, and it wasn't the world-famous changeup. It wasn't the famous changeup that's nastier than a gas station bathroom, right? It was a slider, and I think it was indicative of his future because he has to work on and master that pitch. But if you look at his outing as a whole, he ends up going four innings. He allows five runs, four earned on eight hits, had just one strikeout, did have two walks, threw 77 pitches, just 47 for strikes. That's 61% strikes. That isn't going to get it done. Needs to increase that number. And also, he was falling behind in the count. He was 10 for 23 on first pitch strikes. Didn't get as much swing and miss as you would have hoped. Just six swings and miss generated. But if you look at his outing, there was some flukiness to it. Now, let's look at that top of the first inning. This is a top of the first inning where you wouldn't wish this on a pitcher making his big league debut. He gets Kyle Schwarber to line to right for the first out. And then Trey Turner, first pitch double to second on a play that Miguel Vargas could have made. He could have caught that ball. And the expected batting average on that hit was 110. Had a 110 expected batting average. And then he walks Harper on five pitches. That changeup he was missing down in the zone. 
zone. And then next batter, Nick Castellanos, he grounds into a fielder's choice to third. And then Harper is safe at second on the fielding error by Max Muncy. Trey Turner ends up at third. And that's a play that Max Muncy has to make. Yes, sometimes he struggles with ground balls down the line in left, some backhanded plays. But this is a ball that was in his glove and just popped out. It goes as an error on Muncy. He was thinking, too, that expected batting average on that was 230. So Gavin Stone should have been out of that inning with a scoreless frame. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Instead, you'll see he gives up a run right here. He had Scott down the count on one. He ends up hitting a sack fly to make it 1-0 Phillies. And then he walks Bohm on seven pitches. And then he gets Marsh to ground out to end the inning. So he allowed one run on one hit and an error through 22 pitches. Some high-stress pitches there for young Gavin Stone. And then he comes out in the second, and he was fine. He goes 1-2-3 on 11 pitches. Just an easy inning, a low-stress inning. And then top of the third, that is where things got a little dicey for Stone. Trey Turner, he grounds to short for the first out, and then Bryce Harper at 2-2 count. He doubles to left on a four-seam fastball, middle-middle. He got two swing strikes with that changeup during that at-bat. Some of his nastiest changeups of the day were against Bryce Harper there, was getting him to chase out of the zone, but it's the fastball command. You have to work the edges. You got to hit your spots, especially when you're going up against a potent lineup like the Philadelphia Phillies with MVPs like Bryce Harper. So he'll learn from that that the fastball is going to be his best because the fastball is what sets up everything. If you see the way he tunnels his fastball and his changeup, the arm slots, the angles, it looks exactly the same, and then it falls off the table. It has that tumbling effect. It has more sink than the Titanic. It has that ride. It has that run. So he needs to be able to hit that fastball to keep hitters off balance and keep them honest out the plate. But, hey, you're going up against a Bryce Harper that is going to want to do damage against a rookie pitcher so makes a mistake there he ends up hitting a double and the next batter 0-1 pitch to Castellanos he doubled to left to score Harper to make it 2-0 Phillies and then he gets Scott to ground to third for the second out so right at that spot it's a 2-0 game he's given up two runs but still just needs one more out to get out of that inning but he just could not put hitters away next batter first pitch to Boehm he singled to center to score Castellanos to make it 3-0 Phillies and then Marsh he reaches on an infield single, then Sosa single to center to score Bohm to make it 4 nothing Phillies, and the next batter, Stubbs, he just laid down a perfect bunt. He didn't even show bunt until the pitch was halfway to home plate. Yes, Muncy was playing a little back, but I don't care if you're Nolan Arenado, that's going to be a tough play to make. Goes as a bunt single to third. Marsh scores to make it 5 nothing Phillies, and then he gets Schwarber to line to first for the third out. So you saw in that inning, he just needs to find a way to put away big league hitters. Some more bad luck. I mean, talk about that bunt single, some of these singles here and there. He's going to find a way to dominate hitters and trying to get that whiff rate of like we see at the Meyer League level. At the Meyer League level, you're talking about a whiff rate that's over 50% on that changeup. He needs to find a way to have that same success or at least close. To, you're not going to get that number at the big league level, but you have to get more than six swing and misses in 77 pitches. And I think he will. And I think he's going to focus on that third pitch 
pitch and fastball command. And then top of the fourth inning, another relatively easy inning for Stone. He ends up getting Trey Turner to fly out to left for the first out. He was down 2-0 in the count, works his way back, gets the fly out on the changeup. And then next batter, Bryce Harper, he singles again on a 1-0 count, a changeup down the zone. Left it a little too much in the heart of the plate there. Want to kind of work the edges there. And then he gets his first strikeout of his big league career on three pitches against Nick Castellanos on a nice slider up in the zone away. So I think that is going to be key, like I've said during this show. You got to find a way to get that slide piece rolling. And I'm almost happy that it was on a slider and not that changeup. I hope it's a sign of things to come for Gavin Stone. And the next batter, he gets Stott to fly to center for the final out. So, yeah, did give up a hit that inning, but he was starting to calm down. And if it weren't for that high-stress first inning, I think he could have easily gone at least five innings in this one. I think you would have probably seen him get a little more swing and miss. He would have probably been pitching with just a little bit more confidence, but he is going to be just fine. If you look at his numbers, I mean, that fastball topped out at over 96 miles per hour, end up topping out at 96.6 miles per hour, averaging 93.3 miles per hour, and he threw that four-seam fastball 45% of the time, the changeup 43% of the time, the slider 12% of the time. So as he continues to get more confidence in that slider and it's more effective for him, that is going to be what takes him to the next level. And I remember talking to him during spring training, and he also told me he's working on a curveball as well. So he's still a work in progress. It was a stepping stone start for Gavin Stone, and I still feel like for me, I'm considering it, it's his first start. Kind of rushed through a little bit. I'm going to still give it a B minus. I'm going to give it a B minus when you consider all the facts and factors behind it. But let's take a look at the offense because the offense, they absolutely picked it up for Gavin Stone as well as the bullpen. They end up holding it down, save for Bruce Dar's one run that he allowed late in this one. They definitely did their part as well. But if you look at the bottom of the third inning, David Peralta, he singled to right. Then Chris Taylor, he was hit by a pitch. Then Mookie, RBI single to give the Dodgers their first run of the afternoon to make things 5-1. to one. Then you jump ahead to the bottom of the fourth. James Alvin, he doubles to right. And then Miguel Vargas hit a two-run home run to make it 5-3. to three. What have I been screaming this entire season? Do not sell your Miguel Vargas stock. Miguel Vargas, this is who he is. What he's looked like in the last week or so is closer to the true Miguel Vargas than the guy we saw in the first few weeks of the season that really struggled out of the gate. The guy that didn't get enough swings and at bats during spring training because he was dealing with injuries. Yes, it was also the guy that was dealing with that thumb injury that was impacting his swing, did lose some bat speed, was a little tentative. Now you're seeing the bat speed pick up and he's more aggressive at the plate and his confidence is growing. Two home runs for Miggy Vargas this season. Had a three double game yesterday, so he's definitely picking things up. That made it five to three. Dodgers only down two at that point. Then you jump to the bottom of the seventh inning. Chris Taylor hits a triple. Dominguez comes in to face Betts, and Betts draws a walk. And the next batter up, Freddie Freeman, hits a sack fly to make it 5-4. to four. Dodgers within one. And then you... In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home.
Jump to the bottom of the eighth. Miguel Rojas, he comes in. He singles to left. James Alman, he doubles to left. Vargas grounds into a fielder's choice. And then Dave elects to pinch hit for David Peralta. He goes with Austin Barnes. He sends him to the plate. And then Miguel Vargas, he steals second. And then a few pitches later on a 1-2 count, Austin Barnes singles to left to score Alman and Vargas to give the Dodgers a 6-5 to lead. Great piece of hitting by Austin Barnes. Clutch hitting with two strikes. He's been clutch for the last two weeks. That gives the Dodgers a 6-5 to lead. And then we know what happened there in the top of the ninth inning. Bruzdar Gratterall, he ends up giving up the lead on a Stott single. That even the score at 6-6, to I think, in that situation. Yes, Bruzdar Gratterall, he had gone 10 straight appearances without allowing a run. But I think Evan Phillips in that situation might have been the move. And look, what I always say when it comes to Bruzdar Gratterall is when you allow soft contact, then you are going to eventually get burned in in some capacity because when the bat hits the ball sometimes bad things happen and in this situation it did. It was a great play there too in that inning by Miguel Rojas. He made a fantastic defensive play to limit the damage and then we jump to the bottom of the ninth inning. You've got old friend. I don't know if I want to call him old friend. Old acquaintance old guy that was on the Dodgers at one point. Mr. Craig Kimbrell he's on the mound to try to extend the game for the Phillies and first batter Chris Taylor. He gets a single. Then he steals second to put the game-winning run on second base with no outs. Mookie Betts at the plate. Betts goes down swinging for the first out. Then next batter, Freddie Freeman, they intentionally walk him. Next batter, Will Smith, he draws a walk to load the bases for Max Muncy with one out. First pitch, Max Muncy, Boom! Grand slam for the Funky Muncie to end things, and the Dodgers get the big 10-6 win over the Philadelphia Phillies. It was Max Muncie's fourth walk-off of his career, the first time he had hit one since 2021. But what a monster win for your boys in blue. My biggest takeaway from this win is that this offense, they are becoming more dynamic each and every game. They can win with slug, and if you want the dub, you've got a slug, but also they have more clubs in their bag. They do steal bases. You can manufacture runs the good old-fashioned way. Guys giving up their at-bats to move guys over, to get guys in. So I think this is going to pay dividends in the postseason as they continue to develop this more dynamic offense. And look, they're more athletic. They have more speed with James Altman, with Miguel Vargas, some of these younger guys. I think Chris Taylor is showing his value when he can produce and get on base. He can make things happen as well. I think the bullpen is trending in the right direction. I think one of the great stories early on this year is Victor Gonzalez, who has been lights out, has not allowed a run in his five appearances. I think Gavin Stone, he showed a lot of stones in this one with his poise, with his moxie. He could have absolutely folded like Superman on laundry day, but he didn't. He ended up getting himself out of some of these jams, minimizing the damage like he did there in the first inning when things could have really snowballed in the wrong direction. So a lot of respect for Gavin Stone and this Dodger team that is going to play a three-game set with the San Diego Padres. And thanks to Gavin Stone, they have lined up this rotation to go Kershaw, May, and Julio Urias. So I'm very confident about this matchup for the Dodgers going down there in San Diego and getting an angry series win because the first time since the NLDS. And I know these guys, speaking with them, they are very, very excited and fired up about this matchup down in San Diego. And also, too, what will the Dodgers do with Gavin Stone? Well, Dave Roberts said, before the game that his performance
performance would be an indicator of the future and if he would get another turn in the rotation. It looks like he's going to be optioned. I think they'll probably bring up Justin Brule and we'll see what they do with that. But I think he's going to continue to work down there. I anticipate he makes seven or eight starts this season and you have not seen the last of Gavin Stone. Also, Bobby Miller is looking real good down there as well. But here's Gavin Stone after the game talking to reporters about his big league debut. Yeah, it's hard, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's all baseball, so it's the same game, same mentality, same composure. And so that's really what I was trying to think out there to start the game. Um, and, yeah, hopefully, you know, going forward, I can keep that keep that mentality and, like, sh- and sharpen it up a little bit. But, yeah, it was awesome, you know, just to get out there and get that first one under my belt. So felt great. Uh, third inning got away from me a little bit. But other than that, I felt great. Um, didn't have my best stuff, but going forward, you know, it's it's very positive positive outing for me nerves are always going to be there regardless so um here it was a little bit more but you know I, after the first pitch or whatever you just kind of settle down and and go back to baseball and so that's what i was trying to do but let me know down below in the comment section what is your grade for gavin stone a b c d there's no f's but let me get your grades down below on a scale of one to ten how excited are you about his future how high are you on stone and also will this team win the division are you feeling better about your dodgers let me know down below in the comment section my name is doug mccain you can follow me on twitter and instagram at dmac underscore la for all things dodger baseball be sure to hit that subscribe button hit that notification bell and if you want to see us post even more dodgers content smash that like button and as always think blue bleed blue and i'm out